Okay, um, we're holding in the sitter. Um, those who have the same sitter as me, it's on page 75, uh, by uh, Last week we did the Uvalitsiyan. Um, we're really at the parts of davening, which in a sense it's uh, ending up, winding down or ending up. Right? We have we had the davening, which was a build up until Shemina Esrei, the Amida, which was, we discussed a number of times, that it's really a ladder. And until Shemana Esrei, we're really going from step to step on the ladder, from the Pesukit Zimra and the Birchus of Kriyashma and Kriyashma until Shemana Esrei. After the Amida, after Shemana Esrei, <coughs> we talked about it being the ladder the way down, bringing, coming back down to the, uh, to the world, so to speak, and for the rest of the day. And there's a number of steps in after Shemona Esrei. Uh, we discussed Tachnun, the parts where we talk about um, the confessions and Averis, Nefilas Apayim, the Yud Gilm And then we talked about Ashrei, and finally Uval which is what we discussed last week at length, the Uval which in many ways is really the end of um, a very significant portion of davening, is followed by the Kaddish. And that brings us to page 75, um, a few very interesting parts to davening now. Uh, primarily, I want to talk today about Shir Shel Yoim, the daily, the daily song or the daily psalm. But before that, there's a few paragraphs here. Again, if you're on page 75 with me, it's Tefillah LeDavid Hate Hashem Azdecha Aneni. That's a chapter of Tehillim, chapter 86, Pevav. Um, it's Davin HaMelech Davening. And he's really asking for Hashem to answer his Tefillahs. That's really what it is. Um, I'm not going to read through the entire parak of Tehillim, and it's a whole parak that can be learned. Um, but it's David Amalach's supplication that Hashem looks out for us and should and should and should answer our tefillahs, which is why we say it when we're finishing davening, asking Hashem to listen um, and to respond uh, to all that we asked throughout our davening, um, because it's that nature. It's, it's also something we don't say on days that we don't say tachnun. Right? This uh, this paragraph of Tefillah David. Really, um, right, the Tefillah David we will not say on Shabbos or on Yom Tev or on a day that we don't say Tachnun because it's more of a um, begging type of Hashem, please look at us and look at us. And it's, it's like, it's like Yam Hashem B'yom Sara. And therefore, it's a chapter that beautiful as it is, and it's about asking Hashem to accept our Tefillahs, we're not going to say on a day when we say Tachnun. Um, it's followed by three um, short chapters which are really a, um, a number of psukim put together. And again, all really um, chapters and psukim of chizuk, of Hashem being with us and guarding us and protecting us. Um, and the final one, which is a shir hamalis, which is from Tehillim um, 124, talks about our recognition in the fact that Hashem answers our tefillahs. And that's something interesting. Many times people uh, uh, say like, um, you know, we daven, we daven, and we're waiting to see the answer. Um, we don't always see the answer immediately, but it's important to remember the times that we were answered and the different brachas that we are recipients of. Um, many times in the, in the Rebbe's letters, you have someone who writes and he complains about ABC, and the Rebbe says, it's good sometimes to remember where I was a year ago, where I was two years ago, or where I was in this Ace Sarah and that Ace Sarah, and Hashem does answer our tefillahs. Now the fact that Kali Yisrael is here um, after so, such a long golos and after so many persecutions and so many uh, um, attempts to see to it that we shouldn't be here is all part of Hashem's tefillahs. It's, it's all, of, uh, all part of Hashem's answering our tefillahs, which is described in this chapter of Tehillim and Kuf Dalid, the Shir Hamalus LeDavid, in the middle of page 76, right before the Shir Shalyoim, right, the Shir Hamalus. Um, where we say, Luli Hashem If Hashem were not with us, where would we be today? Right? When people stood up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. When they were angry with us, when the waters tried to flood us, and so on and so forth. So in that Pasuk, we're remembering how Hashem has answered our tefillahs, and so many tefillahs, and so many things that we have so much to be thankful for, and asking Hashem to continue um, and answer our tefillahs that we've been davening throughout the Siddur. So that's this little mini-section of davening. Again, it's really four paragraphs. The tefillah David is that one chapter of Tehillim where David HaMelech is asking for his tefillahs to be answered. 
And then the subsequent three paragraphs that are all about tefillahs and Hashem answering our tefillahs, asking Hashem to answer our tefillahs in a way that we can appreciate and remembering how Hashem has in the past and therefore being mechazik ourselves always to continue davening. It's interesting. In, um, we have famously Purim that um, Haman was looking for time to destroy the Jewish people and he cast lots. Right? He cast lots. That's why the name Purim is called lottery. Purim is a lottery. And then the, lot fe- the lottery fell out in the month of Ad- Ador. And the Gemara says, the Medrash says that Haman was very happy. Why was he happy? Because Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in the month of Ador. So he felt that's a, uh, that's a good omen for him. If Moshe Rabbeinu passed away... Right. That's what he felt. He felt it's a bad omen. The Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest Jewish person, passed away in the month of Ador. That's a good time for me to start up with the Jewish people. But it's explained in Sfarim that there was more to his logic. It wasn't just that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away. After all, every month has people who passed away. Tzadikim who passed away. There was something deeper that, was, that made Haman happy with the lot falling out of the month of Adar. And that is, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't just pass away. Moshe Rabbeinu, we know, was davening very hard in order to go into Eretz Yisrael. In fact, there's only one Parsha in the entire Torah that the name of the Parsha means to daven. Which Parsha is that? Va'eschanan. And what's going on? Va'eschanan is Moshe Rabbeinu saying, I daven to Hashem. Va'eschanan al Hashem That I daven to Hashem. And I asked him to be able to go into Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu didn't daven once. Right? What does it say? It says in Chazal that he davened as many tefillahs as the numerical value of the word va'eschanan, which is 515. So, in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu davened and he davened and he davened and he didn't go into Eretz Yisrael. This is what Haman was happy about. Haman said, Moshe is dying. It's not just about Moshe is dying. Moshe is dying is the proof that tefillahs don't work. Because look, even Moshe, the big tzaddik, kept on asking and his, his request went seemingly unanswered. So here it says in Sforim, that's how a Russia looks. Uh, a Haman, a Russia, is able to say, oh look, he asked, he wasn't answered. Isn't that a proof that tefillah doesn't work? And that's why, <coughs> excuse me, and that's why he was happy. He felt that, oh, Purim is also going to work. You know, in other words, my, my decree against the Jewish people is going to work because, of course, the Jewish people are going to daven, but in the month of other is the symbol that davening is not answered. And that's the, that's the Russia, that's the, uh, the Goyen, the Russia's way of looking at it. If you don't see the answer, the way you understand it and the way you appreciate it immediately, so that's a symbol that there's no answer and there's no one listening and so on and so forth. And yet by Eden, it's the, the, very, the very opposite, which is we daven and we continue davening and we take the message from Moshe Rabbeinu. The Moshe Rabbeinu says he didn't give up, he didn't give up once and he didn't give up twice. And even if the response is not the way that I felt, that I wanted, that I was davening for, we have no doubt that Hashem, was a merciful Father in Heaven, is listening and is answering. We're asking it should be in a way that we can understand and appreciate. But if it's not that way, that doesn't become a source of doubt of whether Hashem really listens and has our best intention in mind. So that's this little section of, dav- of davening here. Again, the tefillah of the David until the Shir Shalyoim, which focuses on the importance of tefillah and in asking Hashem to respond to our tefillahs and remembering how so many times in the past Hashem has responded to our tefillahs and davening that we should be zeichet to see it today as well. Which brings us to another, sec- another interesting section of davening, a very fascinating section of davening. Um, in fact, there th- it has been said that even if one might daven mindlessly, present company totally excluded, but even sometimes when one is like very tired and they're, they put their mouth on autopilot and they just go through the sitter, there's one split second when everyone has to stop. And you can't just do it mindlessly. Shema Yisrael. Oh, Shema Yisrael, we know it by heart. At what second does everyone have to stop? Hayom Yom, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? <laughs> what is it? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Is it Sunday or Monday? You gotta stop, because otherwise you just say all the seven days. Right? So that, that point of davening forces you, forces everyone to stop for a second. So this is the section of davening that I want to begin discussing today. It's a very interesting section. Shir Shalyom, a special chapter of Tehillim that we say 
every day. A chapter for Sunday and a chapter for Monday and a chapter for Tuesday. How high does this rank in um, like mustavans? Not very high. This is not obligatory like a Shmon Esrei or like a Kriya Shema, but, but like every part of davening, full of meaning, and the more we understand it, the more we appreciate it. But um, what's interesting is, where does this come from? This Shir Shalyom, why are we, I mean, where it comes from is from Tehillim. Again, it's really seven chapters of Tehillim. But why is this said, and where was it said first? In the Beis HaMikdash, during the Karbanis, right? We know, and we've discussed this many times, that it says, Tfilais keneged t'midim tiknum, which means that when the Chazal, when the men of the Anshik Nasa the great Sadiqim, when they established the Tfilais, they established the Tfilais to do in the same form as the Karbanis. Now, it's important to note, and I've noted in the past, it doesn't mean when there is karbanos you don't daven. Because when were the tefillos written? The men of the great assembly who built the second Beis HaMikdash. Right? That means for the next 420 years, there was a Beis HaMikdash, and there was karbanos, and they davened. Right? So to, to say that tefillos is instead of karbanos is a mistake. But rather, tefillos are modeled after the karbanos. So just like every morning there was a karban tamid shal shachar, there was the, the, um, co- the uh, continuous or constant morning sacrifice, and then there was the evening sacrifice, that's Shachris and that's Mincha. There was the Musaf sacrifice on Shabbos, Yom Tov and Rosh Chodesh, that's Musaf. Um, so the Tfilois are very much modeled after the Karbanas. And in truth, just like the word Karban, what does the actual word Karban mean? To be Karov, to come close. The word Tfilo also means to be Nishaber, to attach, to connect. One of the meanings of the word Tfilo, to connect to Hashem. Um, when they brought the Karban in the Beis HaMikdash, so the Koyhen, the Koyhen were the ones who actually did the acts, the acts of bringing the Karban, the Levim had the, sec- the special sacred obligation of singing Shira. And they would sing the Shira songs to Hashem as the Karban was brought. And the songs that they would sing would, were primarily Tehillim. Songs of Tehillim, Shira, Shiras of Tehillim. And every day had a different shira. And that is the shir shalyom that we say every day. Right? Are we just finished davening or we're finishing davening? Davening is all about the karbanis. The karbanis were accompanied by shira. And therefore, we also say the shir shalyom. In a sense, we're acting out what the Levium did in the Beis HaMikdash. If when we were saying the karbanos earlier, we were acting the koyim, now we're acting the levi. When we're saying that shir shalyom. And it's the same shir. It's not just lezecher. Uh, this is the carb. This is the shira that the levim would say, different for Sunday and different for Monday and different for Tuesday. Um, we know that every day of the week has certain spiritual energies that are different from every other day, and they're actually a replay of the spiritual energies that there were in the first seven days of creation. Right? It's interesting that we count the ca- the, the weekday is counted by seven. Right? There's seven days in the week. Why isn't there eight? Why isn't there nine? Why isn't there ten? What is it about a week that makes it seven days? In other words, when you talk about a month, there's something that makes a month 30 days, which is the moon. But there's nothing that makes a week seven days. Like the sun doesn't do something different every Sunday. So the the concept of seven-day week comes from the Chumash, comes from the seven days of creation. And to my knowledge, in the four corners of the earth, the week is a seven-day week. Nowhere is it eight, nowhere is it six. And that goes straight back to the Chumash, straight back to the Bible, and straight back to the seven days of creation. Now, so Hashem created the world in seven days, and then it started again. Because, as we've we've discussed, there are seven Midos, there are seven divine Midos, and each one of the Midos was the one that was dominant on one of the days of creation. Um, We know we're now in the middle of Sphira Sa'imer. Sphira Sa'imer is also modeled after the seven days and the seven weeks, and it's all the seven midos, and every night we talk about a different midah. Um, so it all follows that course of seven, the seven midos that are involved in creation. Right? Even though many times when we talk about Hashem, we talk about ten spheros. Right? Typically in Tanya we'll talk about, or Kabbalah, we'll talk about the ten spheros of Hashem, and, but the ten are divided into two parts. There's the three 
intellectual and the seven emotional, right? And only the seven emotional were involved in creation, right? That's why there's not ten days of creation, even though it says basara mamaris nivra'ilam, the world is created with ten utterances, but it's the seven midos of Hashem that are involved in creation, right? Um, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but just quickly, just like in a human being, what's one of the differences between, um, between intellect and emotion? Every, all of us, every person has intellect and emotion. What's a basic difference between intellect and emotion? Is that which part connects us with others? Emotions. Intellect is in ourselves. We think in our head. But emotions is the way, is our connectors. That comes from Hashem. What connects Hashem with creation is Hashem's emotional traits. And that's why creation is out of the seven emotional traits, the seven midas of Hashem. That's the seven days of creation. So those seven days of creation re... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They come every week. They start over again, and every Sunday is a day of Hashem's chesed, and Monday is a day of Gevuran, Tuesday is a day of Tiferes. And those differences of the days of creation are exhibited in the creations of those days and in the Shir Shalyom. So we're going to look a little bit at the Shir Shalyom and see how each mizmor, each um, part of Tehillim that we say, the part that's connected to Sunday, the part of Monday and Tuesday, how it's connected with the idea of that day. Yes? I say that um, I heard that some people, when they plan a wedding, they like to plan it on Tuesday because it says Kito twice. Okay. Okay, well, you also have to be able to find a hole. <laughs> well, I, 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 I got married on a Tuesday. My father said it was No, but, it, but it's true. It's true. And w- when the Rebbe would speak, he would always make mention of what day of the week it is. And I don't always, but many, many times, connect it to what he's talking about. And Tuesday, it was almost a given that the Rebbe would talk about that Tuesday is Pamayim, um, it says Kitov twice, and it's Tov Lashamayim, Tov Labrius, for heaven, for earth, as we'll discuss. But yeah, very much so. Very much so. But it's still it's Tiferes also? Right, that's what we have our shir on Monday, which is a day of Gvura. <laughs> it's, it's already... But it's, the eve of, it's always the eve of Tuesday, right? We're going into <laughs> Tiferes. We'll see, we'll discuss, we'll get to it. Now, but that is Tiferes, correct, exactly, that's Tiferes. Um, but before we go there, there's one other interesting thing, which is, before we say the Mismar of each day, we say an interesting line, and we say, Hayom Yom... On Sunday, Rishon Bashabbos, it's the first day of Shabbos, to Shabbos. What does that mean? What does it mean it's the first day to Shabbos? In relation to and, and then we say, Shabbos. 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 What we're really doing is, we're always counting towards Shabbos. And that's interesting. There is actually, the Pasuk says, Zachar es Yom HaShabbos Lekatsho. It's a Pasuk in the Sarasadibris. Um, how do we fulfill Zachar? So, first of all, when we make Kiddush Friday night, that's a fulfillment of Zohar. But there is a concept of remembering Shabbos every day. The idea of remembering Shabbos every day is that I'm always thinking about, okay, six days to Shabbos, five days to Shabbos, four days to Shabbos. And when we say this in the morning, when we say this Mizmar, we say, today is the first day to Shabbos. From Shabbos. Hayom Rishon Bashabbos, the first day in the week which culminates with Shabbos. In other words, it's not... We're counting towards Shabbos. We're in, we're, when we're on Sunday, it's the first day towards the coming Shabbos. The seventh day is going to be Shabbos. This is the first day towards Shabbos, the second day towards Shabbos. And the Medrash says that this is a form of fulfilling, remembering Shabbos every day. So when it's Sunday, it's a few days left of Shabbos. And there's many people who live with that every day constantly. The Gemara says that, um, the Gemara says that Shammai Hazakim, Right, we've heard of Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai were two schools of thought. But the reason it's called Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai is because they were started by two great tzaddikim, Hillel and Shammai. Right? Hillel and Shammai were leaders of the Jewish people. So the Gemara tells of an interesting debate between Hillel and Shammai. It says that Shammai every day would buy food, whatever it was, and say, you know what, this food is for Shabbos. Then comes the next day and he found something else. He said, you know what, this is for Shabbos, that'll eat now. And then he found something better. He says, that's for Shabbos. This is only now. And he said, but well, that way, whenever he went shopping, it was for Shabbos. Because he went, oh, this is beautiful. It's for Shabbos. But the next day, I found something fresher. I'll take this for Shabbos, and that I'll eat today. And that's why he says, that's how Shammai conducted himself. Why did he have time to shop? He was busy learning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute, honey. 
See, the, I, I, what I'm going to say now is partly in jest. I don't know if this is correct, but it says that every person has a certain amount of parnasa that they're going to make. Right? A certain amount of money, a certain amount of parnasa. But the food that you buy for Shabbos doesn't, doesn't count, doesn't take it off. And Yantif also. And Yantif. Right? So if you follow Shammai's way and you're always buying for Shabbos, that's a great, <laughs> it's a great way of helping you monetarily too because all the food is for Shabbos. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a write-off. It's a write-off. But anyway, so Shammai would every day buy for Shabbos. Hillel said no. <clears throat> Hillel said, every day I buy for today and I have bitachon, that for Shabbos I'll have the best food. Now as Hillel lived on that level of bitachon, that it doesn't make sense, I don't have to buy today for Shabbos. I'm sure that on Thursday and Friday or Friday I'll have beautiful opportunities for Shabbos. So there's an interesting debate. One was bringing out the importance of always thinking about Shabbos. The other one was bringing out the importance of bitachon. Those are, they're two powerful midas to have. So I don't know if it was so much of a debate, more, more so each one bringing out a different important um, way in our behavior. But however, however, nowadays you always have in the store whatever you need anyway, so basically <laughs> it's not even important. You might not have the money to buy. <laughs> she said different. something about clothes. Any of the clothing for shops? No, I don't know. Also jewelry. <laughs> jewelry. <laughs> a beautiful diamond is for shops. It's not an issue. <laughs> it definitely says it specifically about food. I don't know. Could be. Um, anyway, so when we're saying, just going back to what we started, so when we're saying every day, this morning we said, we're actually fulfilling with that a side mitzvah of remembering Shabbos on every day. Okay, let's go to the actual mizmor of the day. So we'll start with Sunday. Um, and on Sunday we say, mizmor, which is chapter... Um, 24 in Tehillim, Kapitel Chav Dalid. And it talks about creation and about the world being Hashem's world. Why would Sunday's chapter that the Levim said in the Beis Amikdash talk about creation? Because that was the first day of creation, right? Sunday is the first day of creation. Yom Rishon. So how do we start? Ledavid Mizmar, Lashem Ha'oretz Umaloya that to Hashem is the entire world, Tevel V'yoshvev, all parts of the world, inhabited parts, not inhabited parts, that it's all Hashem's. And it goes on, Ki hu al-yamim Yisada was founded on waters, Val Nahardis and on rivers, because this is all depicting the first day of creation, the first Sunday. Again, it's important to know, it's not just a chapter of Tilim, it's a chapter connected to Sunday. Because Sunday is when Hashem created the world initially, that was Yom Rishon. On that day, there was no dry land. The world was just covered with water. So therefore, that's why we're saying in the second Pasuk, Yual Yavim Misada was a world founded on water and on rivers. So we talked about creation and Hashem's ownership, so to speak, of everything in the world. And then we talk about Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash. That leads straight into it, Miyala Bahar Hashem, who, will, who can ascend the mountain of Hashem. The mountain of Hashem is Har Habayis, right? the uh, Temple Mount, Har Meria. Who could stand in his in this place of holiness? of our one who's clean hands. In other words, when our um, when our behavior is the way it's supposed to be, when our activities and our involvements are all clean and, and perfect and proper, that's when we're able to ascend that heavenly mountain and connect to Hashem in His place of holiness. And it goes on to talk about, so to speak, welcoming Hashem to the world, welcoming Hashem to the Beis Hamikdash, and that's the primary um, concept of this beautiful mizmor of Tehillim which we actually say, aside from saying it every Sunday, when else do we say this chapter of Tehillim on a very auspicious time Rosh and occasion? Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah? Before we blow the shofar. No, 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 no. That's a different capital. Oh, yeah. We say it Rosh Hashanah by night after Shmona Esrei. The first night of Rosh Hashanah and the second night. Right? We daven in Shul Mayriv, wherever we daven. Um, we have Shmona Esrei, and then we say this chapter of Tehillim. Um, and typically the Chazim will sing parts of it, and it's supposed to be said with a lot of kavana, especially then. In fact, it's written then, that it's written in the Machzerim, that in many ways the Parnassah, the bracha for Parnassah of the year, has to do with the kavana that we have when we say this chapter on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. We say it both nights of Rosh Hashanah and the night of Yom Kippur, right after Mayrif. But why do we say it then? For the same reason we say it every Sunday. Because every Sunday, that's the time of creation. And Rosh Hashanah is like the beginning, the world is beginning again for the new year. So we say it at that point again. But interestingly, that the two focuses of this 
chapter of Tehillim are on Hashem's ownership, so to speak, of the world and of the Beis HaMikdash. What's the idea? Why the Beis HaMikdash? Um, what's, the, what's the deeper idea of what's going on here? So, really, I want to zoom in on the actual first words, La Hashem Ha'aretz Umaloya. But, and that's not the first. The first was Allah David Mizmar, the David who sang this song, um, as most um, parts of Tehillim, that David HaMelech sang. And then it says, La Hashem Ha'aretz Umaloya, Hashem, Hashem owns the world and, and, and all that's in it. Um, many people have the minhag when they'll write their name in a safer or something. They'll write La Hashem Ha'aretzim Loa that it belongs to Hashem and then my name. Because ultimately, in fact, I, I didn't even realize I just opened up to look at the sitter that I'm holding. This one, it's actually printed in the sitter. It says here on the top, I don't know if you can see, there's a Lamid Heivav La Hashem Ha'aretzim Loa. So before you write I, my own name, one recognizes that really everything belongs to Hashem and I'm holding on to it. Right? Um, the concept of making brachas. Every time before we eat something, we make a bracha. Why do we make a bracha? So it's written because since la Hashem ha'ores umaloa, everything actually belongs to Hashem. So therefore, if I'm going to partake of something in the world, so first, it's like asking permission, right? It's Hashem's. And I'm going to partake. And therefore, it's written, it's written that when one eats without making a bracha, it's like, so to speak, stealing from Hashem. It's Hashem's. Before you take it, you should make a bracha. That's la Hashem But let's think about that for a moment. So it belongs to Hashem, and I make a bracha. What happens? So I, I take it away from Hashem? Like, it was yours, baruch Hashem, now it's mine. That doesn't make any sense. We don't take a bracha, make a bracha to take something away from Hashem. That would be really odd, right? So what does it mean? It means that we're recognizing that this that I'm partaking of is not only because it tastes good or because of this, but there's a spiritual reason for it. There's a kavana, there's an intention. When, when one stops a moment before they eat, or really brachas is not just for eating. When one stops uh, for a moment before partaking of anything and they say, Baruch Atah Hashem, what, what we're doing is we're recognizing that this is godly. And therefore my partaking in it should also be for a godly reason, for a godly purpose, for a kavana, which is the idea that we learn about in Pirkei Yavais, Kol Masecha L'Shem Shamayim that a person should train themselves and work on it, that everything I do should be to serve Hashem. Because this is what Hashem wants of me. Because Hashem wants me to be healthy. Because Hashem wants me to be able to do my mission in this world and make this world a better place and make this world a holy place. And that's why there's so much emphasis on what Hashem wants us to eat. And Hashem wants us to partake in this world because that's how we can be servants of Hashem. Hashem didn't serve us here to be malachim. He sent us here to be people, human beings with human needs, and so on and so forth. So really, La Hashem Ha'aretz understanding that everything is, is there for Hashem, is the understanding that it's our mission to bring Hashem into everything in this world. And bring Hashem, bring, bring, make Hashem, make this world a dwelling place for Hashem. Really the concept that's so famous in Chassidus, that to make this world a dira, a dwelling place for Hashem. Which is why it leads straight into the Beis HaMikdash. Because what's the idea of the Beis HaMikdash? The Beis HaMikdash is the holiest place in this world. The place that enables us to bring Kedusha into this world. Right? Famously, the windows of the Beis HaMikdash were very odd windows. Right? They were narrow on the inside and they would get wider as they went outward. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. So they were, were, so today's windows are typically all, you know, just an open area. Because we don't have the thick walls that they used to have, right? And, you know, if you go even today to Yerushalayim or somewhere, you see those walls that are the stone, big stone. thick stones. So in the olden days, the windows, what's, what's written is, I haven't seen this, is that the windows typically were narrower from the outside and wider in the inside. Why, why would a window be widening as it comes in? To bring more light. To bring light into the room. Because yeah. that's the primary function of windows, was to bring light into the room. So... Outside was narrower, also for safety, and it widened so the light should flood the room. And the Beis HaMikdash was built the opposite way. That the windows were, narrow, were, were small and narrow on the inside and got wider as they went outward. 
Maybe you saw the Kedusha from inside. And the answer is, the reason for that is because the Besamiktash served an opposite purpose than regular windows. Whereas regular windows is to bring light in, Hashem doesn't need light from the world. The Besamiktash is to bring light out. And that's why we have, where the Pasuk says in the beginning of Parshas Truma, that Hashem says, Va'asuli mikdash, make for me a sanctuary, Vashachanti, Besocham. And I will rest amongst them. And we have Chazal say that grammatically it should have said, Besocha. Besocho, or Besocha. Make for me a Mishkan, I will rest within it. But it doesn't say within it, it says within them. Because the idea of a Mishkan is Besoch kol echad ve'echad. The Beis HaMikdash is that central place of Kedusha, allowing us and enabling us to bring Kedusha into our own homes and into our own communities and our own cities so that ultimately that the entire world is flooded with the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash. That's, in a nutshell, what this chapter of Tehillim is all about. We're talking about Hashem created a world, but really, really this world is all... It's all a place of godliness. It's up to us, though, to be the ones who bring that godliness into this world. And for that, Hashem gives us a base mikdash. Hashem gives us a place of holiness in this world. And He teaches us how all of us can make our own homes into a base mikdash as well through Torah mitzvahs. And that's why, in addition to the Lashem um, that Hashem is the owner of the world, and the base mikdash, He talks about a person's avoda. That who is the one who can really bring that kedusha down? Neki chapaim of our levav, like we said, one who has the, the cleanliness of the hands, and the one who has the um, the pure heart, and therefore is able to, which is our avodah, our Torah mitzvahs, bringing kedusha into this world that Hashem created. That's the shir shaliyim of the first day of Sunday. Again, the day of creation, the day when Hashem began this. Um, the, the, this concept of the Bria Sa'elamis, the creation of the world, entrusting us with this mission to take from a Beis HaMikdash and make it a, a central place in the world. Rabbi, Rabbi Silverberg, how is it connected to the level of Chesed? You said that every day was, is, is a, the first day is Chesed, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because that's, we're talking about Hashem's Kedusha coming into the world. That's, actually, that's the, the flow of Chesed. Chesed is Gilu, Chesed is giving. Giving and Hashem gives us a base mikdash and gives us um, that the light and the kedusha. Um, it's interesting that the base mikdash is such a central mitzvah. There's so much in the chumash about the base mikdash and the mishkan of the base mikdash, parsha after parsha after parsha, and then the karbanis. Right? It's a very central mitzvah the base mikdash, and in fact, it was the first mitzvah that we got right after matan Torah. Rav they're told to go make a base of Mikdash, and they right away start the Yikholi uh, Truma, they bring Truma, they right away start um, building the first Mishkan. This happened immediately after Matan Torah, and then the first Mishkan is fully um, put up on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and the Mishkan travels with them 40 years in the desert, right? And then when they come into Beis HaMikdash, Eretz Yisrael, right away we have the Mishkan in, uh, uh, first in Gilgal, and then in Shiloh, and then in Naiv, and then in Yivin, and the first base of Mikdash, the second base of Mikdash, it's, it's the center, it's a center place where Hashem's Kedusha comes to this world through, through, uh, through the Beis HaMikdash. Now, nowadays, we don't have a physical Beis HaMikdash, but we have a couple of things. First of all, it says something very beautiful. It says that every shul is a Mikdash Ma'at, a central place of Kedusha. In fact, the Pasuk says, V'yikhuli Truma. So Chazal say that Lee's means it shows that it's an everlasting mitzvah. Where is the everlastingness of the of building a base of mikdash now? Building shuls. Every shul is a is a place of kedusha that's called in the Gemara mikdash ma'at, a small base of mikdash. That's one thing, but obviously that's not enough. We're waiting for the third base of mikdash. Hashem quickly, but that's uh, that's the biggest lost in Golos is that we don't have that base of mikdash, but we we have the shuls. Okay, that is. That is Sunday. And then right after that, we say the Hoshiyenu, which we say every day after the Shir Shalyam. Right? Every day after we say the chapter for the day, we finish with Hoshiyenu, Hashem Alakenu, Vakapsenu, Menagoyim, another time in Davani that we're requesting the coming of Mashiach. Why, right, why at this point are we requesting the coming of Mashiach? Because we're just saying the Shir that the Levim said in the Beis Amikdash, so we say, we'd love to do it right. Right, really, at every point in that, whenever we daven, and it's commemorating something that happened in the Beis Hamikdash, you'll find we right away say, "Hashem, bring us the Beis Hamikdash. Let's do it in a complete form." Take Sfirah Saomer. 
which we say by night, these nights, right? We say tonight is whatever night in the Omer, right away, Hashem should give us based on Mikdash to be able to do Sphira properly. Because the Sphira that we do nowadays is only rabbinic, it's not a Torah law. Right? Because we don't have the carbon HaOmer. We didn't do a carbon HaOmer, so Sphira's HaOmer is only rabbinic. So whenever we do a mitzvah that connects us back to the Beis HaMikdash, we right away say, Hashem, we want to do it properly in the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why every day after the chapter of Tehillim, we say the Shir Shalyom, which, um, which is asking Hashem to bring us the time when we'll be able to do with the Karbanis and with the Levim in its fullest form. That is Sunday's Shir Shalyom. Let's give a look at Monday's Shir Shalyom, which again, is when we have our Shir always. So, Sunday was Chesed. Sunday Hashem created. You know, let me, let me say one more thing. I just reminded you a minute ago. Um, let me just answer your question just from one more angle about what this has to do with Chesed. Right? Why Sunday specifically Chesed? Um, we, Hashem created the world initially out of His Chesed. Initial creation came straight out of Chesed. Why was it straight out of Chesed? To create human beings so they can elevate themselves. Well said. And not feel ashamed to, to have everything from a Kodesh Baruch Hu will earn it. Correct. That's why Hashem made us earn things in order we shouldn't be ashamed. And that's 100% correct. But I'm referring to a different angle here. Once there are human beings, Hashem could say, you know what? You want to have a bracha? Earn it. Right? Um, you want to get new brachas and new things? Daven, ask, and work for it. That's a gvura dikaway, Right? Gvura means severity. You want something? Earn it. By the way, is that bad? No. No. That's very good. Right. In order, in order to get someone to work, in order, you have to be, you know, c- kindness without severity is no good either. So when you have a child or an adult or whatever, and you make and you want them to earn something, that's givura. When can't you have someone earn something before they're there? When Hashem came to create, no one could earn creation because there wasn't anything created yet. Am I being clear? Right? So when Hashem came to create, there was no, if you do, I'll give. No, that couldn't be at the beginning. The first step of creation came from, as the Pasuk said, Ki chesed hu. Because he wanted to give. Because he wanted to create. He wanted to make. So Bria is an expression of chesed. Once there is Bria, then Gvura can come into the picture and Hashem can say, I don't want you to be ashamed. I want you to earn it. I want you to grow. I want you to work on it. That's once there's someone to talk with. But when Hashem is creating, initially, that's an expression of, of, of plain chesed. That's another reason why Sunday is about chesed. Because Sunday is creation. Sunday there was no one to earn anything. So that was just Hashem's giving and creating and making everything that we see and everything that we experience and everything that we appreciate. And that's Sunday. That's chesed. Okay, let's move to Monday. Monday is Givura. Givura is severity. Typically, we get a little nervous around severity, right? Where do we see severity in the creation of Monday? He separated the waters. Excellent. Separation. On the, on the second day, Hashem said, Yehi rakia besoch Let there be a... <laughs> Let there be a firmament between the waters. One of those words that everyone says. Exactly. But that there should be a separation. That there should be mayim el yonim and mayim tachtum. There should be waters of above and waters of below. Separation is severity. The concept of sever- separation is not, oh, it's all the same. There is upper, there is lower. There is higher. There is distinctions. Severity says there's distinctions, there's where you're at, there's where you should be, there's where you shouldn't be, right? When you want to um, set something up, this has got to be here, and this has got to be there, and this has got to be there. No, don't move this over here, this belongs there. Spiritually speaking, what Hashem did on that second day, and He said there's the upper waters and the lower waters. 
Waters represent, it says in Tanya in the first chapter, waters represent tainuk, which are pleasures. Water is the form of all types, all types of uh, sustenance and growth and, 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 and pleasure. So the upper and the lower represents the more spiritual and the more crass, the more holy and the less holy. And before Hashem separated it, it was all sort of mixed in together. Everything was sort of one big jumble of whatever Hashem created, it was all jumbled. And then on the second day, which is the day of Gevura, which Gevura separates and makes um, boundaries. boundaries. Excellent, that's what we're looking for, boundaries of where things belong. It says, well, this is holy, this is less holy. This belongs here, this belongs there. Why is that important? Now, there's a lot of good answers to this question of why are boundaries important. But one of the reasons why boundaries is important is that when everything is mixed in together, nothing really looks to change because we're all together. Like if you take Kedusha, you take holiness and lack of holiness, as long as everything is one big jumble, so everything is okay. Everything's okay, everything's not okay. It's all, it's all mixed in. When you're able to recognize this is this and this is this, then I recognize this is good, this is not. This is holy, this is not. So I know what I have to work on. And I'm able to change things. The Chazal say a very interesting statement in the Medrash. It says that on that second day, when Hashem created the boundaries, the division of water, so it says, Mayim tachtonim boichim. The lower waters cried. And they said, Anan ba'inon lemeheve kamei malka. That's Aramaic. It means, we want to be before the king. In other words, the lower waters said, that's no fear. The higher waters were brought up there and they're top of the class and they're, you know, have, you know, and we're down here. So therefore it says, again, mayim tachtoinim boichim. The lower waters cried out to Hashem. Of course, we don't hear the sounds of waters crying. We hear perhaps water, but we don't hear that the water cries because we're physical people. We don't hear these things. Sadikim, we're able to hear these things. We know the, knew the voices and the sounds of things and knew what they're saying and when they're saying and how they're saying. There's, there's the shira of every type of creation, right? So here the Medrash says that on that second day, um, the lower water started crying. And it says something very beautiful. When were their cries answered? Or when were they totally answered? Was it by the model? No, no. Good thinking. But it says, when the water was poured on the Mizbeach. When was the water poured on the Mizbeach? On Sukkis, right? Simchas Beis HaShoeva. The Simchas Beis HaShoeva was the answer to the crying of the waters. They were elevated. The waters down here were finally made it to the Mizbeach. What could be greater than the Mizbeach? The Karbanos. And at that point, their cries were healed. So what does that mean? What's the, medrash, what's, the, what's the message of this concept? That Hashem makes a separation of waters and suddenly the lower waters are crying. Why make them cry? The answer is, as long as they were all mixed in together, they didn't cry. Why didn't they cry? Because everything was good. We were mixed in with the good waters. When they were separated, they recognized who they were and that caused a longing to grow and ultimately to change and ultimately to be elevated. This is the, the positive message of severity. You know, when you tell people, again, children, adults, it's all the same thing. Everyone just used the language is different, but the concept remains the same. When you say everyone's good, we're all good, or everything is good. So on the one hand, that's I'm being very kind. We're all good, and everyone's good, and no one has to do anything. We're all beautiful and perfect and wonderful. I'm the kindest person around. But really, what did I do by making everyone feel wonderful and good? Nobody is. I made that nobody now wants to change. No one feels the need to change because it's all good. Really, the good parts of me are mixed in with the negative parts of me. The negative parts are mixed in with the good parts. No one feels the need to do anything. It's all good. It's all one big happy family. When we separate, again, severity used positively says, this is good, and this is not good. Which means now, that the not good has what to work on. Because this is not the way it's supposed to be. So I have to work on change. 
The good has to work on helping the not good. When it was all one big conglomerate where everything was mixed in, no one had to do anything. Right? But I'll, I'll take a, perhaps an extreme example. Maybe not the best example, an extreme example. You have a, a group of kids. I'm, again, I'm just using kids because no one here is kids, so it's easier. But yeah, you have a group of kids. And there, in every group, there's going to be wiser and less wise, more refined and less refined. So the kind teacher says, everyone's beautiful, everyone's wonderful, everyone's good. It's good. Okay. So now, what, do you, what did I accomplish, aside from being kind and making everyone feel good, that the kids who have to learn are not challenged to do so because they're good. The ones who can teach are not put in that position because we're all equal. If we're all equal, so the teacher doesn't have to be a teacher, the student doesn't have to be a teacher, a student, no one has to grow, no one has to change, no one has to give. But when I start making, when I, when I start explaining and seeing and understanding, it's not everyone is the same. There are those who have to gain and those who have to grow and those who have to teach. So it requires severity to say, you know what, you have to be a teacher and you have to be a student. Oh, that's a scary statement, that's a severe statement. But what that's telling the student is that you can grow. That's telling a teacher you're responsible. So when Hashem takes on the second day of creation and uses that measure of severity, He says, not everything is equal in my world. I created a beautiful world. But there is mashpia and there is mekabel. There is kedusha and there are things that still have to become kedusha. That's where separation comes in. And again, that's severity. And sometimes it's not comfortable severity. But severity creates room for growth, for teaching, and for changing. And that's the second day. I'm sorry? It's interesting because I'm thinking that it's the severity or that separation that motivates change, but then it's the kindness that enables it because in order to be able to change, you have to, in a sense, come to an acceptance and a belief that even within the bad, there's something good and there's something that's whole and... Excellent. 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 And that's why severity can always only be the second day. It must be preceded by kindness. And you said that perfectly. It has to be preceded by kindness. And then there's room for severity. First there's Avraham Avinu. And then there's Yitzchak. First there's Chesed. And then there's Givura. Always. I didn't understand your point. Could you say it again? Yeah, sure. The point is that... So you have Gabura that will motivate change, meaning you're saying this is not as it should be, it has to be something else. But in order for that change to actually happen, in order for it to be possible, you need to have a recognition that of that kindness, that everything and everyone is good, and that you can find something good inside of it. Otherwise, change is impossible. Like going back to the student example, if you're like, well, these kids are need help with their studies and these kids can do it but if you don't recognize that everyone really has something inside of them that can learn then change is not possible they can break them they can break them and in fact and in fact the beautiful point um is is that ultimately we need kindness and then severity but which do we want to be the dominant media i would say chesed we would all say we would all say chesed and here we have a beautiful idea that, that the Rebbe said is such a beautiful idea. We have Avraham and Yitzchak. Famously, Avraham is Chesed, Yitzchak is Givura, right? Then it says that Yitzchak looked exactly like Avraham. Why did Yitzchak look like Avraham? So Rashi says, because there were people in that generation, Rashi calls them the late sonim, the scoffers. They were around then too. So that they said, ah, Yitzchak doesn't come from Avraham. You know, Yitzchak must come from Avimelech. That's what they said. So Hashem said, okay, I'll make Yitzchak look exactly like Avram. And that's what the Pasuk says. Yitzchak looked exactly as the image of Avram. So the question is, it sounds like a big nace that Yitzchak looks like Avram. A lot of children look like their parents. Not so miraculous that a son looks like his father. Why does the, why does the Pasuk make it sound like Hashem had to make a special nace to make Yitzchak look like Avram? So the answer given is because facial features express the panemius of a person. So if Avram was the man of kindness and Yitzchak was the man of severity, the extreme of kindness and the extreme of severity, then their facial features should have, should have said, expressed difference. And therefore it was miraculous that Yitzchak should look like Avram. Okay, that's part one. And here comes the next question. Okay, if they both have to look the same, and Avram has one style face and Yitzchak has another style face. 
So there's two options. One is that Yitzchak should look like Avram. What's the other option? That Avram should look like Yitzchak. In other words, which face did they have? Did they both have Avram's face or did they both have Yitzchak's face? Because remember, a face represents the panemia. So there's kindness and there's severity. There's a kind face and a severe face. Avram and Yitzchak, one is kindness, one is severity. They both have to have the same face. Which one should they use? So Yitzchak looks like Avram. Why? Because we always want to come across with a face of kindness, not severity. Even though severity is a very necessary tool. And without severity, there can't be real growth. And there won't be real change. Like we said, the, the one on the bottom is not going to change. The one on the top is not going to help. Without severity, which creates um, boundaries and borders and, and defines definitions. But we want to have that starting with, a, with an appearance of kindness that we know that everyone could change and everyone ultimately could be good and will be good and therefore we use our severity to bring out the goodness that there is in every person. So that is all the second day. Very quickly, where do we see that in the words of the capital? In the word of the chapter, the second day, we'll look at this one pasuk at the beginning. Again, Shem Mizmer Levnei Korach. This is a Mizmer that was said through the sons of Korach. Story for itself, how they were saying Mizmorim, not for now. But it says, Godol Hashem umuhulal ma'od. Chazal say, Godol Hashem, Hashem is great and very exalted. Where is that? In the heavens. And down here, we're, Be'ir Elokeinu Har in Yerushalayim and, and, and the Temple Mount. So that there's places of Kedusha. And then there's places that are not Kedusha. This is the concept of boundaries, understanding what's holy and what's not. Notice, the first chapter started with Hashem Hashem is everywhere. That was the kindness of Hashem. Hashem is flowing everywhere. The light is everywhere. The second starts with boundaries. There's places of holiness. There's places that are not yet holy. And it's up to us to understand boundaries and differences. And it's not all the same. You know, there's the Kedusha the Beis Mikdash, and there's a shul, and there's a home, and there's a public domain, and there's, there's all different types of places. Boundaries. That's what the second day is about. The second day is positive boundaries, important boundaries. That's the Gvura of Hashem that was exhibited on that second day when Hashem said, there's upper waters, there's lower waters. Now we create crying. Crying is a good thing sometimes. What's the good thing about crying? I want to change. I want to grow. I'm not happy with the way I am. As long as I don't cry, I think I'm perfect. Then I don't change. So Hashem creates definitions and boundaries in order to create positive crying, desire, ambition, realization that I have to grow and I have to change. That's the message and the power of the second day of the day of Hashem's Gevurah. Which is going to bring us to the third day, which is going to bring together the first two days, and that's the Tefera 